At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. So the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral, ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I'll bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah of the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in suddenly strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to return to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to look their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Asked Jameson, Thank you for the peace that you bring to us every day that was made possible through the birth of your son and on what seemed like a, a normal, random night in the cold in what was not even big enough to be really a barn. You, you sent a baby that was to be the ultimate peace that no one then and no one now can even truly fathom. You changed the entire course of history through a child that could not even feed himself, could not even speak. But that's often the way you work. You don't necessarily do things in the most obvious ways, but you, you do things regardless that are your will. And that's what we pray in this season, that you would remind us that everything that happens in our lives is completely your will. That you have sent us an eternal peace that has taken our place, that has taken what should have been our deserved death and put it upon himself so that we can have life with you forever. Thank you for your son, for what he not only meant then to the shepherds, to the, the shepherds that saw the angels in the sky proclaiming 
goodwill towards men, but to what he means to us now and what he will mean to the world, what he will do in the world forevermore. We praise you. We worship you. We pray that this season will be about you and nothing else. In your name we pray.
Giglio, Caleb, our worship leader, shared this with me. I thought it was appropriate. Sometimes we think that God has left us, God has deserted us, that God is not hearing our prayers. We wait with great anticipation for Him to respond to us. Louis Giglio wrote this and this Advent devotional. It says, Welcome to the season of Advent, a celebration that traditionally spans four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And welcome to Waiting Here for You, a devotional guide filled with the hope for everyone who is waiting for something or someone. Whether you're waiting on a resolution, a diagnosis, a relationship, a breakthrough, or a rescue, God has a message of hope for you. Advent simply means arrival. In the case of Christmas, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the greatest gift ever given to the world. For on a chaotic night in the little town of Bethlehem, a miracle happened. Down the slope of a hill in a cave carved out by the wind and rain, a place where animals took shelter in the storm, a Savior was born, who would take away the sins of the world. But Jesus didn't arrive without a wait. Well, you and I simply turned the page, moving effortlessly through from the end of the Old Testament promises to the opening of Matthew's Gospel it wasn't quite that easy 400 years of silence spanned the gap between the final prophecy spoken in Malachi, the Old Testament book and the birth of Christ imagine 400 years without any re recorded word from God no voice no prophet, nothing imagine the agony of waiting and the struggle to keep faith in the promises given long before you can almost hear questions being passed from one generation to the next. Had God vanished? Was he ever really there? Was faith in him just a waste? Suddenly, when the time was right, Bethlehem's fields lit up like noonday as angels proclaimed, Glory to God in the highest on the earth, peace among men on whom his favor rests. The wait was over. Silence was broken. Heaven unleashed thunderous applause. And in a feeding trough, Jesus was born. God in human flesh. The Son of God had become the Son of Man. Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas is a story full of longing. That's why it gives us reason to celebrate the goodness and nearness of God in the midst of our waiting season. As we struggle with our own sense of silence and as we strain to see God at work in our convoluted lives, Christmas urges us on by reminding us that God will come through on His promises. Sadly, the frenzy we call the holiday season is a mad dash of tinsel and toys driven more by consumerism than anything else. Ironically, the season that marks the arrival of the Prince of Peace has somehow begun to leave us feeling frantic, stressed, alone and peaceless. If we're not careful, the season can create a perfect storm of anxiety that will cause us to miss God's voice. But don't miss, but it doesn't have to be that way. If we ask Him, God will give us the grace to slow the pace. And He will help us remember how He loved and how trustworthy He is. We wait expectantly for Him. God will lift our eyes and draw near to us. He will remind us that waiting is not wasting. 
and we are waiting for, on his plans to unfold. He will anchor our hearts in the bedrock of his faithfulness. Let's dawn to pray for us.
everybody knows the song, Oh Holy Night. This is, uh, the song actually has a backstory, an interesting story about who it was written by and how it's been used throughout history and what has happened to the song throughout history. And I wanted to share a little bit of that with you this morning. There are a lot of French names in here, which I will all, all mispronounce all of them. song, Oh Holy Night, is kind of a, a showstopper when it comes to us being in the frenzy of life and, and things happening all around us in the Christmas season. We, we hear this song and, and we just stop and we pause and we do indeed do what it says in the song and that is fall on our knees. I wanted to read to you a little bit of history about the song, Oh Holy Night. The carol, O Holy Night, was actually banned by church leadership. If it were not for the common people, the powerful song would have faded into obscurity. In 1847, a wine merchant in France, Placide de Chaffaut, was asked by his parish priest to write a poem for the Christmas Eve service. On a hard carriage ride to Paris, the gentleman imagined himself a witness to the birth of Christ wonder of that glorious moment flowed through his pen, and he gave us the poem, I'll say the French name, but I'll tell you, it says the song of Christmas. Chapeau had the words, but now he needed, to, needed the music to lift souls heavenward in song. So he asked his friend, Adolf Charles Adam. It was an unusual request. Adam was certainly a trained classical musician, so writing a tune was no big deal for him, but he was not a Christian. He was of the Jewish faith. Nevertheless, he good-naturedly received his friend's request and began at once to compose an original tune for the poem. It was a perfect match. The song was performed for the congregation on Christmas Eve. The French loved the song. Unfortunately, a few years later, it was learned that Chapeau had left the church for the philosophy of socialism. And after it was discovered that the composer was not of Christian faith, the church leadership in France banned the song from their liturgy. But the French would not let that song die. Ten years after the song was composed, an American abolitionist, John Sullivan Dwight, heard the carol in French. He heard the vibrant message of hope. Especially the verse that said in French, The Redeemer has broken every bond. He sees a brother where there was only a slave. Love unites those that iron has chained. White freely translated from French, switched a few things around while keeping the same basic meaning and gave us the English version, which, is, which we sing today. In this version, the line about oppression is translated. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law of love and his gospel of peace, chains shall, shall he break free, break for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppressions shall cease. He brought the song to the United States where it quickly became popular during the American Civil War. Legend has it that this French Catholic finally received the song back into the services after an encounter between the French and German soldiers in the Franco-Persian War of 1870 and 1871. 
During the lull of the fighting on Christmas Eve, the French soldiers began singing the song of Christmas. German soldiers were impressed with the, their tune and responded with their own German Christmas songs. A truce held for 24 hours. The end of the story involves the beginning of modern technology, the innovation of radio. On Christmas Eve in 1906, Reginald Princeton, a former colleague of Thomas Edison, was experimenting with a microphone and a telegraph. He played on his phonograph, Uma My Pew, by George Frederick Hendel. Then he picked up his violin and began playing, you guessed it, Oh Holy Night. He finished by reading the story of Christ's birth, as recorded in Luke 2. Wireless operators on ships in the Atlantic were stunned as they heard what was the very first AM broad radio broadcast ever. It was a song in scripture about the birth of the Messiah. Oh Holy Night, written by a wine merchant, set to music by a Jewish composer, banned by the church, kept alive by the French, adopted by an American abolitionist, sung between warring troops, and at last broadcast into the world through invisible radio waves. What a story. What a message. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night Christ was born. Ask Tony to pray for us. God. Father, we just come to you today with a thankful heart. And I pray that in this season that we wouldn't forget the true meaning, God, in the hustle and bustle of things. It's easy forget the true meaning, God. Thank you so much for your sacrifice that you sent to us so long ago on that holy night. I pray that we would always look to you. These things we ask in your name.
Christmas, I thought it appropriate for us to celebrate communion, which is a time to draw close to Christ and remember His sacrifice for all of us. And in the next song, our, our men will pass out the communion cups, the wafer in the top and juice in the bottom. And if you're not a Christian, it'll just be a cracker and juice for you. If you're a Christian, reminds us of the sacrifice that was made for each and every one of us. The body, the blood that was shed. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. It says, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you will, you will see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, my time has come, and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. The disciples did just as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. While, he, while they were eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one of them in turn says, is it I, Lord? 
but one of you has just eaten from the bowl with me will betray me, for the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. Well, how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It will be far greater for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who betrayed him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it. He broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. He took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And he sang a hymn. They sang a hymn and went out to the land of olives. The way we do things here at Simple Church is you take communion, you take the Lord's Supper when you are ready. We pass it out and then if you need to come and pray at this altar, you do so. If you need to wait and take the Lord's Supper when your heart is right, when you are right with God, then do so. Maybe that's in the next 10 minutes. Maybe that's in the next 10 years. I don't know which, but you take it when you are ready. This altar, anytime, is open anytime. Anytime that you want to come and pray and ask God to restore you, renew you, forgive you of your sins. Maybe for the first time ever, you want to become a Christian here at Christmas. And you can do that by simply coming and praying and asking Him to forgive you, committing yourself to renew it. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to pass out the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you so much for Christmas. Christmas is a time when we celebrate the birth of your Son. Christmas is a time we celebrate you and the sacrifice that you made for all of us. But we know as we celebrate the birth, God, we must also celebrate the death. Beyond the death, we celebrate the resurrection, and that's the reason we have hope, and that's the reason we have life. It's because we have life everlasting through you. So, Lord Jesus, as we take this communion, as we take the Lord's Supper right now, may we do it in remembrance of what you did for us. May we remember the sacrifice that was made, the penalty that was paid for all of us, Lord, and may we do it and draw closer to you as we remember. In Jesus' name.
do a holy night again in just a second? Okay, so this is what I'm going to ask for Mr. Sound back there. So we cut the house volume down a little bit so that we can hear all of us singing too. Uh, I know that we don't like to typically hear ourselves sing. I know I don't like to hear myself sing. Uh, but this song, I think, is worthy of us singing now. Um, at the end of this, I would like for us to just play some music quietly so our, our, our worship team can have a chance to take the Lord's Supper as well. Um, I want to give them the opportunity to do that as, as well. So we'll just play some music. And I ask that you just kind of leave quietly and reverently um, after, after we sing O Holy Night. Um, the announcement that I have is there's no service uh, next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, and again on January the 1st, which is New Year's Day, we'll be having Wednesday night service in those two days. I think that's all the announcements that I have right now. Um, if you were in our 20-somethings, I need to see you for just a moment in my office. Um, we have a little discussion uh, about some plans I have. So if you're in our 20-somethings, you can join me in my office uh, right after the service. Um, right now, we're going to sing the Holy Night again. We're going to sing out the way God deserves to be worshipped and praised. Um, we just pray that he is exalted in our hearts and in our lives. Father, thank you so much. For allowing us to praise you today. Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating you. Lord, so many times in our lives, God, we have brokenness because of heartache that we feel for people that they used to be here, they were close to us, and, and God, maybe they're not here anymore. One reason or another, maybe you've taken them to be with you, or, or maybe they've, they've been separated from us because of broken relationships, or there's a ton of different reasons why. But Lord, we know that you are the giver of all good gifts. And you gave us a good gift of your son because of that we can celebrate because of that we can praise your name and give honor and glory to you God, and as as we have heartache God, i pray that that heartache would draw us closer to you this christmas season or that we would remember God, that ultimately eternity is what you've given us victory over death hell and the grave and the power over sin God, it, it all belongs to you and you have, you have given us that ability through your son jesus so we worship you now